fucking. Welcome to episode 10 of the Too Bad We Didn't Get Into Cars podcast. Where's my standing ovation? You don't get one. That was horrible. That was horrible. Well, we horrible. did the intro and everything, and we had the footage in the, in the you know, th- does that not get any applause? Does that, th- did you not like that? <laughs> the crowd got blown up. <laughs> You're the crowd! You're the cr- Oh my God. I got blown up. I'm Nick Scarpinato, and I guess I'm just here working for free. <laughs> and, um, God, look, today we're joined by a plane. Oh, shit. <laughs> we're joined by a plane that we do not know the name of. Son of a bitch. Because we're terrible at our jobs. Hell, God damn it. Who's the co-host? Vanessa. Vanessa, what did you do? Damn it. Damn it, Vanessa. I forgot my aviators. <sighs> Son of a bitch. All right, we got, we're got we talking Top Gun today. <laughs> Both the original and Top Gun Maverick. It's a double feature. It's a two for one. And after that, we're going to be discussing one of David's favorite bands of all time, Rush. Uh, why are we talking about Rush? Because... Um, yesterday, as of now, was the tenth anniversary of my favorite album of all time, which was their last album, Clockwork Angels. Clockwork Angels. And then we're talking about the very exciting Xbox and Bethesda showcase that happened a couple of days ago, as well. Exciting might be a little strong of a word, but it was very exciting. I mean, we were like jumping out of our seats the entire time because yeah. I mean, announcement after announcement was just high octane, balls yeah. to the wall. Yeah. Steel boots in the ass. I mean, there was the first Forza announcement. There was the second Forza announcement. There was the flight simulator announcement. All good stuff. God, we're all of the... We should have... Welcome to the Too Bad We Didn't Get the Planes podcast. God damn it! Damn it! Oh, man. Son of a bitch! We're also running off of an entire junior <laughs> small size strawberry frosty from Wendy's because they're new and we needed to film a promo for the fact that our podcast is now streaming on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Uh but we didn't we didn't <laughs> think we didn't stop to think that we we didn't need to eat the whole thing for the promo. So after the promo was over, we had to just We're on a time it. crunch today. We had to tank it. We had to tank it. And so there's a lot of sugar in my system and uh I don't know if I'll ever be okay again. Probably not. I don't know if I'll But ever um be okay. yeah, let's just get right into it. Um Top Gun 1986. Was that when it came out? Or 85? Was it 84? Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, hey, twelve. Siri, when did the first Top Gun come 13, out? 2013. Here's what I found. 1986. Woo! Is a 1986 action of Master. Uh, Master. Master yeah. of Movies Top Gun just released. Tom Cruise is in it, and so is Val Kilmer. Took 20 years to get a damn sequel. But they probably weren't making it the entire time. Top Gun. Top Gun. Net Maverick in theaters now. Are you top done? Yes, I'm top done. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay, well, um, while I'm setting this timer, I want to hear your initial thoughts on the first Top Gun. Because last week, or two weeks ago, I forget which episode it was, but we... 20, uh, 20 minutes. Thank you. What? Oh my god, Siri, I didn't say put 20, 20 minutes. So a couple weeks ago we were talking about Top Gun, because we were talking about 80s movies, and we discussed how, uh, I think David, your almost exact quote was, I'm not going to see that fucking movie, about Top Gun Maverick. 
and then uh, and then we decided the week after that we that we should see it. Well, because you bought this matchbox thing and had a plane in it, and well, we were not going to let it go to waste by not using it. So it was like, all right, well, we'll watch the Top Guns, and and then that could be like an an episode topic. And so here we are. Um, last week we watched the original Top Gun, and today, just this morning at ten o'clock, we watched Top Gun Maverick. So obviously, we're going to go in order. And we're going to discuss the first film, the second film, and then kind of go over, you know, the the differences between the two and how they compare to one another. But So the original one is just one massive-ass cheese fest. It is a cheese fest through and through. Which I guess is on brand for the 80s. The 80s were very cheesy. Um, and I tried to match that cheese by wearing my satin jacket on an 80-degree day. Um... But uh, you know it's very cool and hip, and I'm wearing it as a fashion statement, not because, not because I, I can handle hot weather. I'm not a superhero, uh, but Tom Cruise is a superhero. I have man. Um, drive because movie, drive because movie, movie. But yeah, Tom Cruise is a superhero, dude. Like he, great. Okay, I know one of the common things that's said about Tom Cruise is how he aged really well, but like. Seeing the first movie and the second movie really close to one another, like he looks so much younger in the eighties. Like it's it's nice to know that he's not like invincible, you know. But um yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean it took it took me long enough to finally see Top Gun and there were like definitely aspects about it that I it, I was like, Yeah, this is an eighties movie. Like there you know, the scene in the bar where it's just like the dialogue that was going on between Goose and, and Mav and um and Iceman and the other guy. Um, like when they were all bantering with each other and like Goose is definitely like an eighties movie character, best character in the fucking movie. hundred percent. And they knew that, which is why they had to kill him. Um, spoilers for, spoilers Top, Gun for Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick Both if you haven't them. seen them. Um, but yeah, if you didn't know that Goose dies in the first Top Gun, then what, what, the, what are you doing? Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, he was, he was the best character and then halfway through they killed him. Um, and uh, I don't know. We, we kind of talked about it a little bit. I don't think the movie necessarily takes a dive after Goose dies, but... I definitely stopped caring a lot less yeah. when it happened. I would say that the movie kind of hits a plateau like very early on in the training sequences. Because also in the middle of all that, you have you know, um, Maverick and... What's her name? Chris? Because um, um, we looked it up after seeing Maverick because we were like why didn't Charlie Charlie yeah, yeah yeah so the love interest and Tom Cruise like their whole thing happens halfway through the original Top Gun like before Goose dies and I don't know it's it's I didn't expect it to be a love movie like a like a love story and we got a lot of it in Tom Cruise probably the worst kisser I've ever seen probably the like in that first movie man so much unnecessary tongue and so many close shots, close-up shots of him n- making out with, uh, I forget her actress's name, but Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they make out a lot and, um, and when Goose dies, it's sort of like out of nowhere during a training sequence and then it just kind of propels the rest of the movie. So, you know. I don't know. I I feel like the movie started off so promising and like the writing was so clever and the pacing was like so quick and fast. And I think Goose and his relationship with Maverick had a huge part of that or played a huge part in that. So, you know, when he died, it was definitely like, okay, well now it's going to be Maverick being mopey for like the next hour. Um, And I also didn't know that it was, I didn't know Top Gun was a school. I didn't know that the whole not the whole point of the movie, but a portion of the movie was essentially just like trying to get a top score, you know, that was the movie. That's how it ends. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I didn't know that was the base. So this whole time I'm thinking like, Oh yeah, they're going to be like dog fights, uh, uh, you know, all over the place. Or maybe I didn't know what to expect. And what we got, I absolutely did not expect. Um, and I don't know if I really like, I liked it, but I can only I can only hear Danger Zone and Take Did My Breath Away. Did they really so need to times. play Take My Breath Away four times? Like very close to each. Like it was like only in the middle of the movie, 
and it happened like almost back to back and it was like four times four times and danger zone plays a lot too which again it's not that either of them are particularly bad songs but here's the thing here's the thing i could only hear the same three songs in a movie between danger zone take my breath away and the top gun theme in that first movie that's pretty much all you hear and then once goose dies there's a really sad theme for like you know when maverick's being mopey and stuff but you want it a little louder take my breath and it's like the first three times they played it it cut off like before the vocals came in but like the, yeah. the longest time like the fourth time was during the tongue scene yeah <laughs> and it was the just tongue the whole scene. time yeah, I mean, like, and then aside from that, you have, oh, playing with the boys. Yeah, not, yeah, th- that scene. Volleyball scene? Playing with the boys. Dude, fuck classic. Because, like, I'd, I'd heard so much about the volleyball scene and, like, as it pertains to the movie. Because, don't get me wrong, I said love story at the beginning of this kind of review, but it's not just between Maverick and Charlie. Like, this is a love story between Iceman and Maverick, Goose and Maverick. Like, he's in love with everybody. And it's just, like... It's it's nice to see that uh you know it's 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 a uh, it's like a manly man's movie but then in the middle of it it's like I'm playing with my boys playing with my boys I'm playing volleyball with like jeans on and then I <laughs> and then I throw on my leather jacket with fur on the inside Tom Cruise what are you doing buddy what are you doing Mav what the fuck was that you you're going to play beach volleyball in jeans my guy Oh my god! Yeah, it was just like a jeans commercial. Basically. It was just a jeans commercial. Yeah, with Kenny Loggins in the background. Um, was that Kenny Loggins? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Kenny Loggins. But uh, but yeah, dude, I I remember a lot of these things that we're talking about now for this movie because they will come up again. Um, but as far as how the first movie plays out, I personally really liked Maverick's, you know, Tom Cruise's character arc throughout the whole thing because it, it is. It is his movie. So, like, he starts out hotshot pilot, he goes through his thing, and he ends the movie a different character than he started. So, um, I liked that. And then by the time they got to the actual mission where they were shooting planes down, that's when the dogfighting got exciting for me. Because, like, the whole time that they're training, it's like, oh, it's just, they're just training. It's just, you know, none, none of this matters. And then you get to the part where it does matter, and you're like, oh, shit, things are exploding. That's awesome. Um, and then they get off the plane and there's the big celebration and you hear the bow, meow, meow. And then Tom Cruise gets out of his plane and goes up to Iceman, who's been a dick to him this whole time. And he's like, you can be my wingman anytime. <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny. That's a, that is a romantic line, guys. That is, that is, you can be my wingman anytime. That's practically asking the other guy out on a date. It's like, hey man, you want to be behind me? You want to be behind me for like... You know, anytime, anytime you're like, bro, I got your back. You're back there, you know? Iceman's Iceman's on my tail. There is an SNL sketch where 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 they kind of go more in depth about this, you know, this uh layer of top gun. But I am all here for it. I, I am I am all here for it. Um But uh yeah, man, I don't know. It's so like by the time you get to the end of the movie you know, you finish it and the credits are rolling and Tom Cruise is on his motorcycle again. And there's that cheesy moment at the end where he meets up with the love interest again. Um, it's, I'm definitely happy that I could check it off my list and I could say that I've seen another like classic eighties movie that people like, but, um, I wouldn't say that it's one of my favorite eighties movies. Like, I don't know when I'm going to go back and watch the original top gun, like just out of, wanting to see it again you know i actually i don't even remember it being like a serious thing at the end of the movie Mm. i thought they were just training the entire time no they actually get to the mission at the end um what was the mission uh couldn't remember could not remember but they did shoot people down and that's why it was such a big deal when they came back um yeah, but they they were on a serious mission. Well, whatever, man. It was fine. 
It was fine. Just- I definitely, I definitely think like there. I understand why people like it so much, especially if you grew up with it. And also, from a technical standpoint, like there were some shots in that movie that I don't think had been recreated for really. Like just the getting the camera like in the planes and like filming these planes going at really, really high speeds because like you couldn't CG that back then. So it was like. It, on a technical level like it is it is it is a, a marvel in filmmaking um and i'm sure that's one of the reasons why people like it so much is like it made planes cool like it top gun made planes really really cool and they had the nes game that was the first time i ever heard about the you know the the movie but yeah i mean i'll get into that a little more with the second movie yeah um but i think we can just move on to the second one now yeah. So overall, I mean, I would probably say with the, for the original Top Gun, like just rent it. Rent it. Yeah. Like unless you grew up and you remember when it came out in theaters and it was a big deal, like from someone who had never seen it up until now, just rent it. However, here's what I will say about Top Gun Maverick, because the whole time we were watching the movie, I was trying to keep this thought to myself. Usually what happens with these sort of sequels that come out 20 30 years after the original what the creative team will do in an effort to kind of prey on the collective nostalgia of the everybody's brains is you'll basically rehash a lot of the same or similar story beats in a movie and pass it off as new even though in our heads we realize that we've already seen this before and here's what I say. Here's what I will say about Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun Maverick does the exact same thing that other movies like The Force Awakens and like I don't know what's another like sequel movie that was like 20 years, 30 years in the making that was like it's basically just the same thing. Because I'm trying to think of other ones. Like Dumb and Dumber Two, like Mall Cop Two. Yeah, these are comedies. Yeah, but what Top Gun Maverick does differently. And why I think it is overall a way better movie than the first one is it retreads these same story beats, but from a perspective that feels very genuine because, you know, we have, they recreate the opening, which is like, I kind of knew going into it that they were going to recreate the opening, but like, it almost has like beat for beat a lot of the same scenes, you know, top, like Tom Cruise getting chewed out by a, like an admiral or whatever, and then telling him that he's going to Top Gun anyway. You have the scene where the class is sitting there, and you meet the you meet the dickhead. They have the scene in the beginning with the bar. There's a scene in the beginning of the first movie with a bar where you meet the characters, and it's like they have the training sequence, and they have the you know the middle part where like there's the love interest, and then you have the end of the movie where they get to the real mission, and then you know. And then it ends the same way that the first one did where like Tom Cruise gets the girl and like has the happy ending and he tries to go to the bar to meet her and see her at like an old familiar place again. However, I don't think any of that really bothered me because like those scenes where Tom Cruise was in these situations, in these scenes that were similar to the first one he was on the other side of it. Like in every, in every scenario, like he wasn't the person in the middle of those situations anymore. He was like on the other side of the glass. So at the bar, he wasn't partying it up with anybody. He was the guy sitting at the bar, watching everyone else have fun. Like during the class scene, he was the the teacher up at the front. So like he could spot the cocky kid a mile away. And like, um, during the training sequences, like he was out there. Sure. But like, he wasn't the focus of the training montages. He was the one that was giving the orders and doing these things. And, you know, I don't know. And as oh, for, Creed, yeah. Creed, Creed, that's Creed another, is one. another one of these where it's like, yeah, there's a lot of similarities, but like, you know, like, like Rocky wasn't the one doing all this stuff. He was like training. Right. So I think Creed and Maverick kind of fall in the same category of like, like 20 plus year reboot movies where, they don't they they go through similar story beats but they don't rehash the same thing just for the sake of nostalgia it's like obviously they know that people coming to see this movie all these years later want to see those moments but like there were there were some moments that genuinely made me tear up throughout this movie um and obviously you have the added twist of goose um 
or Rooster, Goose's son, being one of these, you know, potential six characters from Top Gun that got to move on and do this deadly mission. You have that added layer. You have the added layer of, like, you know, Tom Cruise consulting with Iceman. But then there are other moments where, like, I don't know, um, Tom Cruise is talking to... uh, is talking to Jennifer Connelly, who plays the new love interest in this movie, which I guess isn't, she's not a new love interest because, you know, Penny was mentioned not even by name, but in the first one, uh, you know, there was a debriefing where Goose and Maverick are getting yelled at and the Admiral that's chewing them out is like, there was an instance where you took a plane with an Admiral's daughter or something like that. And that was Jennifer Connelly in this movie. Um, but there's a scene where like Tom Cruise is talking about how like, you know, Meg Ryan, who is Goose's or Rooster's mom, who at this point in the movie has already been dead. Um, she was the one that like told Tom Cruise to like pull uh, Rooster's papers. So like he essentially had to do another four years again in the in, you know, school, I think. Um, and then Tom Cruise had this like really nice monologue about how like he was trying to be the dad that you know, Rooster never really had, and he was being really overprotective and you have to, you know, just let them free for a little bit, which again is like a total 180 from his character in the first movie. Cause he was that kid, you know, that like fucked up and made a mistake. And like, and it's good to see that he's still haunted by that, you know, choice that he made, um, in the first movie or what he believes to be a choice that he made in the first movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's character growth, man. That's character growth, baby. Also, Watching Top Gun in the future is so rad because everything just looks so much better. Like the sound is so much better and the visuals are so much better and cooler. And like the actual action scenes are directed a lot more interestingly. Like I don't think there was a single training scene where they were discussing what was happening and I was bored. Whereas the first one, it seemed uh, kind of like a lot of the same. Like anytime they would get in the planes and start trying to like shoot each other down, I would just get so bored. I'm like, okay, well, we've seen this already. But in this movie... For me, at least, every time they got into a plane, it was like a different aspect of the mission that they had to try. And then it was cut between, you know, character development moments that I really enjoyed. Um, And then they throw in this ending twist where it doesn't just end with a dogfight. It ends with, uh, well, Tom Cruise and Miles Teller basically having their own little, like, I think the Mission Impossible movies influenced Tom Cruise a lot more than, like, you know, then he was influenced in the like when he made the first Tom gun because there's a scene where like a helicopter starts shooting at him on the ground. And I'm like, this is just a mission impossible movie now where they're like scoping out the enemy base and like him and miles Teller have to like steal an airplane, you know? And for like a little bit, it feels like a totally different movie, but like in a good way. Cause I was having fun. Um, but yeah, what a, a I have things that I don't like about the movie too, but I feel like I've been talking for a little bit. So you, you jump in here. All right. So I'm, so like the, like the reviews for this movie have been astronomical. Like we're talking 97s and 99%. Yeah. And people are like going apeshit for this movie. They are. And so we saw it. And those high praises, I think, were well-deserved. I thought this movie was phenomenal. Like, not that it's as good. I I think of it as, like, Terminator and Terminator 2, Mm. where the second one is astronomically better than the first one. But not to say that Maverick is as good as Terminator 2, but, like, I have that sense of feeling towards it. Yeah. Because it's a lot better than the first one. Well, because like, like we were kind of talking about it, like it takes all of these similar story beats, but it just does them better. And like, and it's like, I prefer this movie so much more to the first one. Like I would absolutely go and see this movie again. Like I honestly might, I might try to see it in IMAX because we just saw it in, in standard. Like, um, yeah, the first movie may have been impressive the way they shot it, mm-hmm. but I'm sorry. Every time they were in planes and like flying around, I couldn't tell what the hell was going on. And just, the first ju- one, yeah, just the way they shot it, yeah, because it was just planes flying around in the sky. I don't know who's who because they both they all look the same, right? 
and it's just these aerial shots. It's like, yeah, it's cool that they got it, but like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Right. And then this movie, I definitely knew what was going on. Yeah. Because they mixed it really well with like interior shots and exterior shots, like but like further away, so you're not just close up on the plane. Right. So that was really nice, and shit got intense. Like, I wasn't sure what the point of, like, the opening was when he's going, like, Mach 10. Maybe just to show him, show, like, us how much of a lunatic Tom Cruise is. <laughs> yeah, um, honestly. But, like, that whole sequence was really, like, on the edge of your seat. And just the whole actual real mission by the end of it when, you know, he, of course, shows up and he's, like, leading it. Yeah. Um, the mission itself, which should have been doing in the first place. Yeah. You know, it's like, why they even try to make him teach it? Just, yeah, you go do this. Right. Well, because, like, there comes a point in the movie where um, a couple of recruits almost die. You know, because, like, Tom Cruise, the mission kind of requires the recruits to push past their limits, which is a very anime thing to do. And I'll get to another anime thing that this movie does in a second. But, yeah, push past their limits. And, like, these are the best of the best. But, like, you know, they're pushing, like, 10 Gs. Um, or like nine G's or whatever, like for, you know, the force of gravity on their body is like far exceeding what they're used to. And these maneuvers, they're, they're going below, um, what do they call it? The, not the ceiling below deck or whatever. They're going below, below deck, like only a hundred feet above the ground, which like, you know, 5,000 feet is usually like the level that you want to stay above during like training or whatever. So like the things that Tom Cruise is trying to get these recruits to do, is like they're really scary like genuinely and what i love about this movie compared to a lot of the other blockbusters that i've seen in the past i don't know however many years like these characters they aren't invincible like like they're just regular people so if they crash a plane at these velocities and stuff like that they're dead like they are dead dead so like even the smallest thing like if one of your engines goes out and you're flying this thing you know mach 5 or whatever like, that's terrifying. But, like, in a movie like The Avengers, you know, like, they're like, the plane's going down. You know they're going to be okay because, you know, they're just going to jump out or whatever. They're going to have some cool landing. Um, so, yeah, there are some moments where, like, you know, the cr- recruits almost die. Like, they pass out behind, you know, the wheel or whatever, and they have to recover and blah, blah, blah. Um, like, I couldn't believe they all survived, honestly. I thought someone – I thought Maverick was going to die, honestly. And they kind of they, – the 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 crew that made this movie and the director and the writers and they do a really good job of subvert, subverting your expectations um like first you think miles teller is gonna die and then maverick saves him and then his plane gets hit and then he goes down and then you know miles teller is like they're being chased by more um they call them sams um something aerial missile like I don't know, just anti-aircraft missiles. And um, and then it cuts to Tom Cruise waking up in this. Yeah, there are a couple of saves in here that happen that I'm like, you know, maybe the first time was like really cool. And then the second time someone gets saved, you're like, well, OK, we've already seen this before. But I, I, I definitely could have done without the whole sequence where, you know, Miles goes down to and then, you know, the, the helicopter is shooting at him and yeah. then they got to steal the plane, which was incredibly easy really um, easy uh, it's like, like it just it could have been a little shorter honestly yeah there are a couple of really convenient parts about this movie that happened but i'll i'll save that for a second um like yeah i could have just done without that entire sequence because there was two planes like chasing everyone i guess they only did it just to get them two away from everyone else yeah Cause there was like planes following them like when they were you know doing the thing mm-hmm and then, you know, just derails into this whole, like, oh, we got to steal this plane. We just run towards it. And then, nope, we're, we're, we're turning it on. No one notices. And we they hop yeah. in and they just fly away. And it's like, oh, great. Yeah. I think I think they threw that in there because they knew people wanted to see. Well, one, they wanted to see Miles Teller and Tom Cruise, like, in the same plane. Which I don't know why they didn't do that in the first place when there were four planes for the mission. And they only picked six candidates when each plane can fit two people, like just get eight, whatever. So they finally get a plane where Miles Teller is in the back, like Goose was in the original movie. And they're, they're, you know, piloting a plane from the eighties. So it's like, 
it's like it's a callback within the callback that is even making this movie you know um so i i get it and then they get out of the plane and then miles teller has a fucking like one-to-one recreation of the scene with you know val kilmer in the last movie where like he was the dick the whole time and maverick was the underdog and maverick you know he approaches maverick and he's like hey good job out there exact same thing happens in this movie i will say hangman the new like dick student he does a really good job playing like an asshole really good job um and uh but you know it's to say that this movie emulates a couple of anime things i think might be a little outlandish for me to say but hear me out first of all they win using the power of friendship that's how that's how the 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 day is one is the power of friendship two they literally do like a like a flashback sequence that they would do in like my hero or like whatever to kind of catch the audience up on what happened to goose you know um and like it almost reminded me of like one piece too because the old movie wasn't filmed in hd and this movie or not hd but like you know they were filmed using different cameras so like when the shots from the old movie pop up it's like in one piece when they try to show flashbacks from like older seasons when it wasn't full screen yet and it just looked like cropped the sides you know um it makes it look really weird this movie does the exact same thing um but uh i don't know they're they're also like how do they pick the six people that they pick other than the fact that they were the ones that had more screen time because like not to offend anyone in the movie but i don't think a single one of them were more qualified than the others to be on this mission except for fucking hangman because hangman was the only character that like seemed really confident about himself and like was you know doing the mission like but there was no indication that out of these 12 students that tom cruise had to pick from that the six that he ended up or the five that he ended up going with had any were any more qualified than the other you know seven students or whatever that's why i was like I mean, I get it because they're the ones that have the the billing credits and they're the ones who we've seen had the most screen time. But like as of that moment where they go on the mission, not as like it wasn't shown to us that a single one of those students was able to do what they needed to do for that mission. Like they didn't show us that scene, which is probably one of the 800 hours or whatever of footage that they had to cut from the movie or something like that. But and I thought they handled um, Peggy. Pent. Penny? Penny. Yeah. That was really weird because, like, we we had to look up, like, who she was. Yeah. Because the movie did nothing. Like, yeah, who's going to remember that one, like, line from the original movie? It's like... Cause Not many people. It's like when he shows up, he looks he, like, you know, just like when they first meet up, he's like, Penny? And he's like, they. it's like they're catching up. And it's like, are we supposed to know you two? Yeah. And she has like a daughter and it's like, I honestly, th- I, you, I can guarantee that was a, a role like that. That, that part was written for the actress that played Charlie, but like she couldn't come back for whatever reason. So they just had to alter it. Yeah. But slightly. like you got to like throw, it's like the, the stupid Panda thing with the, the oh, like, right. that movie. It's like, you can't just throw something in and with no explanation. Right. You know, and expect everyone just to know, like, yeah. who, like what's going on with these characters. Yeah, I will say, uh, there's a lot less Tom Cruise tongue in this movie. Thank fucking God. It was like zero. Yeah, there was like zero. So, like, even the romance part of it, I, th- I feel like was handled a lot better than the first one. So, in virtually every way, I would say that Top Gun Maverick is a superior movie to Top Gun. It's not as funny as the original. No, the fun, the first one, yeah, Goose was he might be one of my favorite like eighties characters ever. Just like anytime he was on screen and talking, I was like, yeah, it's a, that's a fun character. And miles teller looks frightening. Like that guy. (laughs) I think it's the mustache. Yeah. Oh God. I forgot to grow a mustache for this episode. Whatever. Fuck. We forgot a lot of things for this episode. Yeah. Well, we, uh, we at least got to the review and we got our frosties and we got uh, all of these things. So, um, yeah. Top gun Maverick is a buy. It's, yeah i'm buying i'm buying the steelbook definitely buy it like it's not the perfect movie but like i still walked out of the theater being really happy that i saw it and like i said i teared up a couple of times um and like there were a couple of edge of your seat moments that you know were worth the price of admission alone um yeah this is like the best sequel since i think creed yeah it's a really good sequel um so 
We'll just have to see how uh, Thor Love and Thunder holds up to Ragnarok, and that might beat Maverick for best uh, sequel of the summer. But who knows? Um, until then, go out and see Top Gun Maverick, um, and I can take these off finally as we get ready to talk about our next because now it's time begin the podcast with the band i love except we're not starting with them we're not clockwork angels came out 10 years ago (laughs) and i was wanting to do some kind of video but i just didn't because i already made a whole video talking about this album it's like, what else was I going to do? Yeah. Although, Although, I have... Um, because I I make a lot of parallels like from the story of Clockwork Angels and the game Bioshock Infinite. There's a lot of things. like I can go in through like most of the tracks on Clockwork Angels and pinpoint it to a specific thing from mm. Bioshock Infinite. And they, all, they both came out within like a year of each other. So Interesting. Um, that was a video I was kind of wanting to make too. But um, yeah, I don't have time right now. Yeah, but uh, but Rush, I think I think let's let's talk Rush for a little bit before we get to their album because I think I think I think it'll help to know a little bit about how we feel about the band before going into you know the actual album. Mostly you, because uh, my only experience with Rush is through this guy, either playing Guitar Hero or ha- uh, being shown Rush songs, you know, while we're driving to a movie or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I always thought Rush, they were a, a classic rock staple. Like anytime I heard Limelight or XYZ or, or yeah. Or, uh, YYZ. YYZ. Jesus. Or YYZ technically. Yeah. Cause they're Canadian. They're Canadian. Like one of my favorite YouTubers, Curtis Connor. I'm doing your thing. <laughs> it's not really a reference, but, um, uh, anyway, yeah, I, I always thought Rush kicked ass and when Neil Peart, uh, Neil Peart passed. Um, that was that was a heavy day for a lot of rock fans. Um, but I'm sure it hit you a lot harder um, than it did me because you have a very different history with this band than I do. Yeah, it started one fateful day in 2012. 2012. I don't know what date it was. I mean, obviously, I knew about them forever. Yeah, because Tom Sawyer, you know. And radio. I don't know when I started listening to them, honestly, or like what drove me to it, but um, I did. Yeah. And then I like blasted through the whole discography. Um, and this was like a month before Clockwork Angels was coming out, and so. I was hyped for the new album coming out. Yeah. Because had, had I got into them like four months later when this album was already out, probably would be a different story. Yeah. But like the fact that that was my one and only new Rush experience pretty much cements it as number one. You know, I was talking about it a couple of... Whenever we were talking about Hit and Run. Yeah. Where it was like, you know, there's like this thing that's like locked... Like, at number one, no matter, like, what happens, it's always just going to be there. Yeah. It's, like, the same thing with Clockwork Angels. It's, like, mm. yeah, I, I can hear, like, albums that are objectively better and that I probably like more. Yeah. But that's still my favorite one. It's never going to change. Of all time. So. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, but you've been listening to Rush for a while. Um. You got to see them. Twice. Twice. Um. When was that? Well, the first one was the Clockwork Angels tour, 2013, yeah. in the Tinley Park Amphitheater, and then Tinley Park, yeah, wow. And then the second time was actually, um, three years after that album came out, because mm. I showed up in my memories like where I, sh- I I took the photo of like United Center with the big Rush logo. Oh sure, J- June 12th, 2015, was that show. Okay. So yeah, exactly three years after the album came out, which is pretty amusing. Yeah. Well, and they they have a really good live experience. I've heard from you, um, killer performances all around and all that good stuff. Killer set, man. Yeah. God. Not that I was there, but I believe him. You know, you know, Cygnus X One. Bust out Xanadu. 
Yeah, you know though, twenty one twelve with the um, grand finale mm. instead of just stopping at Tumbles of Searings. Yeah, I mean that's cool. They started from like they went backwards in time, basically. Oh, except so th- yeah, they started with Clockwork and then they played songs going backwards, mm. leading up to like Working Man and shit. Uh, but you know they skipped Power Windows, which is one of my favorite albums. They just totally bypassed that one, which very much pleased me. I was very happy about that. That they skipped your favorite album? Yeah. I was through the roof. I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> You're playing songs of every album except that one? <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> and not to mention the first time I saw them, they played the whole album except B2B. <laughs> which is your favorite song? It was at the time. Yeah. It's like, oh. Yeah, yeah, th- 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 those five minutes, I can't fit it. <laughs> There's no room. There's no room. Yeah, I can't fit for that this five what, three song. hour show. Yep. Yeah. yeah couldn't, couldn't get five minutes <laughs> for that song to play the whole thing. Yeah. So both times I seen them, I missed a crucial part. Yeah, you got jipped a little bit. Damn. Yeah. Well, you know, it just goes to show that I'm yawning now. And uh, I don't know if that's because I'm coming down from the frosty crash. The frosty crash of 22. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Um, yeah, I have to teach after this still, if you could believe that. I don't think any of my kids would sing Rush. I, I don't know if any of my kids know who Rush is. Teach them. Make them sing Free Will. Free, free, free Will? Yeah. The movie about the the whale? No, not from, Free like, Willy. <laughs> free, free Will. Free will is technically correct, as is free William. Um, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. That's true. Ah! It goes just super high in the. Um, That's why you want my the, kids the middle. to sing it. Okay. Well. In the middle of it. Why don't you fucking charge your shit beforehand? Fuck. Lost my close up on fucking my section. Hey. That's great. That's great. I'm stealing yours. You need to lose your Clockwork Angels, bro. Yeah. We'll just we'll just cut to this camera for the rest of the episode if you need to say something specific. It's just really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Rush is a really good band. And uh, check out David's video on his channel um, concerning the ranking of every single Rush album. That um, is my most popular video, which I'm happy about. Yeah, yeah. If, I'm, if there's any video to be really, really popular and blow up, I think that's I think that's the one. Rush is sitting at another five k, five k. Holy shit! Not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, but yeah, but I, I actually um, I'm going through Rush again. And, um, for why? Because uh, I'm showing Haley Rush, uh, and she's showing me Steve Miller. Oh, because you do have that Steve Miller show coming up. We do. Yeah. Next week, and they both. Uh, Steve has like one more album than Rush, so they they both their discographies line up very nicely. Oh. Um. So yeah, I'm going through them again, and I just went through Presto, and. Uh, not gonna lie, it's a little better than I thought I gave it credit for. Because in my video, I ranked it as 18, so second to bottom. Oh my god. But I would probably swap it with Hold Your Fire. Mm. So it's still only 17, but right. it's a little better than I gave it credit for. Because yeah, so it, it kind of kind of slaps. So anyone coming from David's channel, this is an unofficial sequel to his Rush album uh, yeah. ranking. So... Um, but yeah, I mean, I, my only memory of, of really being like, oh, that's a Rush song was in the movie. That's my boy with Adam Sandler and Andy Samberg, where Adam Sandler plays a washed up child celebrity uh, as an adult who has a child himself. The scene in any movie that does like a flashback and then a present day where they cut to the present day, you know, it's like a, after a montage of like newspaper clippings that are like, um, Bobby, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, like the spinning, you know, the spinning newspaper trope. And then it cuts to like a big caption. It's like present day. And then it shows Adam Sandler driving up in this really, you know, this 80s sports car. And he's playing, I think it's Limelight. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's cool. And I saw that movie with my dad. And that was a really awkward movie to see with your dad. 
because in that movie Adam Sandler is a terrible dad um so lessons lessons learned not to not to not to let your dad be influenced by other bad movie dads Um, oh god there is no fucking drummer better than Neil Peart (laughs) it's not easy being cheesy classic classic Chester Cheetah yeah so uh good good guys good guys rush oh and then um what's that movie with I love you man I love you man yeah where they show up that's a that's another really cool I want to talk about that movie at some point I love I love Jason Siegel and Paul Rudd and just putting them together is just a no-brainer yeah dude it's a really good movie um but yeah so I I told you (laughs) I told you not to eat Mr. Pout sandwich it's pure (laughs) are you sure it's not Pout (laughs) this name guys I think you know are you sure? Because we're pretty big fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh my god, it's so good. Slap at the base, man. <laughs> Slap at the ba- boom. Yeah, yeah, that's. I still say you keep slapping that base all the time. Because <laughs> oh, because of that. You keep slapping part. that base. <laughs> so dumb. Um. Yeah, we yeah. we can move on. Yeah, just not not to mention that they yeah. just have the world's best goddamn rhythm section of all time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, between between Getty and Getty and, and Neil, Neil, bro? Shit. And then Alex is over there just like making weird faces a lot. <laughs> and being like the class clown. Oh, I didn't know he was a class clown. Yeah, he's he's like the funny one. Oh, okay. And the other two are just for serious. Yeah, Neil's just the one that barely ever shows up. And then Getty's just the super recognizable one. <laughs> yeah, Getty is Getty's the poster boy. Well, go Alex, man. Yo, someone buy me the Funko Pops for Rush, please. You don't have any? No, because they're like a million dollars, unsurprisingly enough. Yeah, so we have, if we have a fan out there that wants to create a P.O. box for us and send us Funko Pops. And you know what? Send me... Someone donate me a copy of Clockwork Angels on vinyl. Mm, while you're at it. Because, damn it, man, it's like $300, because of course it is. Because of course. And I was really hoping it would, they were going to like re-release it for the 10th anniversary, but mm. it was $30 when it came out. Isn't that nuts? That's nuts how that works out, how, how so things... 100, was it 100% increase or 100% would be $300, right? Yeah. So yeah. 100% increase. Because I'm jerk off on eBay wants money. No, 100% would be another $30. So, so what is it? A thousand? Thousand. thousand, thousand percent market increase. Holy shit! Some fuck. You remember my scalper rent? Yeah. <laughs> this time's that's a callback, baby. Woo! It's a callback. Son of a bitch. All right. Anyway. Well, I guess now we can talk about our third topic. God, that was a horrible showcase. That was a really bad showcase. Holy shit! I every year I'm like, this is the year. This, this is the is year. Gonna it's gonna it. be the good one. Yeah. And it just wasn't. It just straight up wasn't. Like there, don't get me wrong. There were a couple of really cool indie games uh, that I told you that I would remember the names for for this podcast, and I did not remember the names. But there was one indie game that they showed off that's in the art style of old storybooks. I, probably they come from somewhere else, but think like the storybook from the beginning of Shrek, that old medieval painting sort of style and it's like a murder mystery which is really cool um they're releasing persona 3 4 and 5 like their definitive editions on xbox um they only had the release date for persona 5 royal though instead of the other two so i don't know how that's how that I works mean, four is already there four is already i on mean Steam. not on uh, xbox but yeah whatever but um other than that i mean there were a couple of like uh I don't even know, man. I mean, there's a new Minecraft game. There's motherfuckers announced Minecraft four. Yeah. <laughs> Minecraft four is official. And just like the miners are just starting to yeah, predict the future at this point. I got to, we got to write a song about this now. There's yeah. four of these Minecraft games now. Um, Minecraft. But it's like you announce a showcase. Yeah. It's not like Nintendo where you do it like four times a year. So it's fine if they aren't all bangers. Yeah. But you do it once a year. And it's like, you know, Xbox and Bethesda. 
Mm-hmm. It's like these two together. It's like, oh, wow, what are they going to drop? Jack shit. No, and they knew that, which is why they put Starfield at the end. Because Starfield just, is the only thing that people wanted to see. It's just a bunch of indie titles. I'm sorry, but indie titles are not showcase worthy. Yeah. Yeah, I the, there weren't a whole lot of franchises that were being represented at this at this juncture. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, and I haven't played my Xbox in a while. The only time I ever play my Xbox now is to play Smite with my buddy uh, Drummer Jake. Um, if he's listening or watching, or if Lenny is listening or watching, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Hey, but, Lenny, you want to be on the podcast? I think Lenny wants to be on the podcast. And he's he's one of the only ones that will will text me about how you know how listening to the podcast like makes his day oh nice shout out to lenny never shout met out to you, lenny. yeah eventually it'll happen but uh yeah we're, we're gonna do it too bad we didn't get into cars meet and greet and it's just gonna be <laughs> lenny and like <laughs> um lenny and like two others but uh it's like, it's like they showed the vin diesel game oh uh, yeah the they, new arc game they didn't show anything at all it was just a basically what the commercial is gonna uh you know amount to no gameplay, no nothing. Just a game we already knew what was what was was coming out, and they release more footage to throw at the stinger, the B roll at the end of the showcase when they're like, "Look at all these games." And not to say like the games were like looking bad or anything. It's just it's just not stuff you put in a showcase. Yeah, like um that one c- cocoon, oh, cocoon. Yeah, from the creator or one of the minds behind Inside and Limbo. Yeah, so um, I'll probably play that because Inside was pretty fire. Yeah, um, still got to get to Limbo at some point. Yeah, we we could do Limbo. Um, that would be a fun run through. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's no way it's gonna be very long either. There's that Hollow Knight which I had never played the other one, but it looks cool. Yeah, I mean we we could probably play Shovel Knight too because Shovel Knight people really like. Um, yeah. And those are games that you could probably finish in like a day or two days or whatever. Um, oh, it's like, oh. And it's like, yeah, the Microsoft uh, 40th anniversary. Yeah. And it's like. Yeah, at Microsoft's oldest franchise. And it's like Flight Simulator 40th anniversary edition. It's like, what's different? <laughs> like, the, like, what kind of celebration is that? Like, the goddamn the fucking Fallout thing. Oh, yeah, we're celebrating 20 years of Fallout. Now here's nothing to celebrate at all. <laughs> Great, except oh, we get to go to the pit in '76, which no one even fucking plays anymore. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, not only were there was one, but two Forza announcements. Not even back to back. It was like they planned the second Forza announcement like a couple of trailers after the opening one. Yeah, it's like that was the first one to get like an extended look. Yeah. Oh, check out the ray tracing on the engine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I'm sitting there like, the why are you? Who fucking gives a shit about the grass? You're not gonna see the grass when you're driving at 90 miles an hour. In this game, who gives a shit about grass? And there was a part of the showcase where the camera panned over the grass, and they were like, "Whoa, so realistic." And I'm like, "Fuck, fuck you!" Like, what the hell? Like, I'm not. I don't give a shit. I. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We knew it was coming. Every single Microsoft showcase has a Forza trailer to it. It's like their bread and butter. It's the, it's the, it's just to show off the graphical capabilities of the system. I found out that much like Call of Duty, Forza of the past basically decade has come out with almost uh, one game for almost every single year. But like Call of Duty, they're flipping between two studios where like with Call of Duty, there'll there'll be like Activision and like Treyarch, I think, as they flip. So they have like Infinity Modern War. Infinity War is the other one. Yeah, Infinity Ward. So they have, you know, like the Modern Warfare, and then they have Black Ops, and then, you know, whatever. But in this case, they have the Forza game, uh, Forza Motorsport, and then they have, like, Forza... Horizon. Horizon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this one's just going to reboot the mo- the Motorsport franchise, because it's just called Forza Motorsport. So I don't know, man. I was just... I the, Leading up to the showcase, I was like, if there's a Forza trailer, I'm going to scream. And I did. It's like the suckers that keep getting like the Madden games. Yeah, like they're know? like they ever change. The players change. 
Yeah. Then put a fucking patch out. <laughs> yeah, put a just, patch and update it. Just pull a Xenoverse 2. Just don't come out with another Dragon Ball Arena fighter like since 2016 and just keep adding DLC. It's like that's what they're doing with fighters. They haven't put out a Dragon Ball Fighters 2 yeah. because they just keep putting DLC characters out because the base game is really solid. And I get it. Like you want to update you want to keep using the most updated graphics whereas like with a game like fighters it looks stylized enough that you don't have to worry about that yeah well the xbox one has the same graphics when it came out versus when they're going to stop putting games out yeah like what what are you doing in those this like the 10 years from like 2013 to now yeah to update the graphics jack shit i mean you know they 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 all they pretty much have a monopoly on the on the racing game uh, for Xbox, maybe PlayStation has Gran Turismo. Oh, uh, that's true. Which I think I don't play them, but like they're supposed to be way better. I think they put a Gran Turismo game out recently. They did yeah. seven, I think. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I now that E three is not really a thing, th- this is what we have to look forward to. It's just these kind of lackluster showcases, and. I, I think the fact that Microsoft only came out with one and Nintendo comes out with multiple is just a testament to Nintendo's commitment to, you know, like the fact that they're putting out multiple showcases a year and like, you know, maybe three out of five of them are worth it. Like if you include like the Pokemon ones too, it's like, go Nintendo, you know, Microsoft, pull your, pull your fucking weight guys. Like Nintendo's doing this all throughout the year. You can't put out one. That's like all bangers. Like, what have you been doing that whole time? Um, so, whatever. Yeah, and then the PlayStation State of Play was like a couple weeks ago, but we didn't really talk about that. Um, I don't think I gave a shit. No. So, Nintendo's definitely going to have a Nintendo Direct this summer. They have to. Um, and there might be another Pokemon Direct at some point uh, to show us more. Or they might just keep doing Pokemon trailers. But, I don't know, man. Times are changing. And video game announcements just aren't, you know, like E3 of 2006 or somewhere around there. That must have been a good, good E3. Just a bunch of shit to release. And now it's like, not that things aren't coming out, but, you know, the hunger for trailers just, it's far outweighs the hunger to go to these big conferences and see them, see them all at once. So it's like companies, they're not going to bother holding on to trailers for, you know, the summer. They're just going to be like, and we have it ready now. Let's just put it out now. Yeah. So, I don't know. If that's the sacrifice that we have to make to, you know, further and advance in the video game community, then whatever. Just, like, no more big conferences or showcases. Just give us more sporadic trailers throughout the year. That's fine. I'm, I'm real tired. I'm real sleepy. <laughs> Stupid strawberry frosty. Yeah, now I gotta teach. So... Um, anyway, that'll be dead. That'll be dead. That'll be dead. That'll be dead. Welcome yeah. to the double digits of the podcasts. Yeah, this is episode ten. Woo. It's a big episode milestone. X. X. Yeah. Can't so X. go ahead and say goodbye into my camera. Goodbye. Cause... Charge your fucking battery next time. Uh, uh. I'm sorry. Do we ever figure out what the uh, plane was called? Besides the Ma- Maverick signature model, it Wait. says the swing wing. The swing wing. I've been Nick Scarpinato. That's been I've Vanessa. been David Capucha Plains. And that's oh yeah, I guess uh, Nick um, Scarpin Nick's uh, Scarpin Ariel. No, Nick Sky Pinato. Yeah, there Nick Skypanato and um and David Cup Cup da- David Cup David Cup pilot David Di- Kapusha skydive. Da- <laughs> <laughs> this is Vanessa and that's the Top Gun uh Maverick Swing Wing. Be sure to check out our socials and our other YouTube channels. Uh if you're watching this on YouTube in the description below, if you're listening to this on other platforms, particularly Google and Apple. Congratulations. Welcome. Uh, we're glad to have you. And 
be sure to look out for the clips that we're going to release this week and uh, hopefully another bonus episode on Saturday once I get around to editing it. Um, But until then, take care of yourselves, wash your hands, and remember, a good plane is one in which you can eat hot soup and not spill a single drop on yourself. I can't complain. So I'm on a plane. Is that Bush? It's Nirvana. Okay, bye. <laughs>